Welcome to People, Places, and How We Use Spaces, where we chat with amazing, successful people whose stories inspire us. As a bonus, all of our guests have something to teach us about commercial real estate based on their own experiences. I am your host, Lisa Christensen. My companies help business owners, developers, and investors buy, sell, and lease space. On today's episode of People and Places and How We Use Spaces, I am joined by developer Heidi Zimmer. Heidi is the founder and owner of Wild Rice Retreat, which she developed in Bayfield, Wisconsin. Heidi is responsible for developing housing and other sustainable and creative spaces all across the nation. She credits other women for helping her learn her trade, and now she is the one helping others develop their dreams. Before we get started, I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. I would really appreciate it if you would follow, subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now I'd like to give a warm welcome to Heidi Zimmer. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's a thrill to be here. I'm honored. You know, I think we our paths have crossed in the past. I think we might have even worked together in the past, but I haven't seen you for years, and I feel like we know a million of the same people, and I feel like we should have been friends all these years. I know, I know. <laughs> definitely one degree of separation for decades now. Yeah, and when you say decades, like, I look at your experience in real estate, and you're clearly, like, way younger than your experience would dictate. So like, tell me, how did you get into the real estate business? Well, a little circuitously, as you would say, I went to school for and grew up in this environment of public service. And so my parents were both worked in the public sector. I went to graduate school here at the Humphrey Institute. That's what brought me from Michigan to Minnesota. And I thought I was going to be a city planner. And so I worked for Hennepin County and city of Minnetonka right here in our backyard where this interview is and was having so much fun with the developers coming in to propose their projects that after two years, I decided okay, I think I need to sit on the other side of the table. Um, as much as I loved the government work, the creative side was what really called my heart. And so I made that leap in 1997 um, and never looked back. Wow. So where was your first endeavor? How did you even decide how to leap into that crazy development world? <laughs> well, it was, you know, it was women um, mentors to me, like Colleen Carey from the Cornerstone Group, who I eventually worked for. She wasn't my first job. But watching people like her and Peggy Lucas and Linda Danielson, and there are very few women in real estate development. So I did gravitate towards them um, and learning everything I could from them and watched how they approach development. But my actual first job in real estate development took me to Chicago, really? where I worked for Charlie Shaw, who was an just this iconic Chicago real estate developer, but with a huge social mission and purpose. He was head of the Urban Land Institute, and he did the big Sears redevelopment on the west side of Chicago. And my heart was always in affordable housing. And so that was an opportunity to pair my love for urban planning and mission of helping provide safe, affordable healthy spaces for people in the world while also being kind of young adult and getting to live the big city life before I had children.
children. And so I worked on multiple facets of that development. And then jobs and family and other things brought us back to the Twin Cities. And so I worked for a series of for-profit developers, Ron Clark Construction, Colleen Carey, and then somewhere in the late 2000s, well, it was right, it was before the bubble burst. And I could feel that bubble beginning to burst. I switched from doing affordable housing and infill development to um, higher-end condo development, and that's where I was seeing just what ended up happening in 2008. I feel like I lived the big short um, a little bit. But I jumped into the nonprofit world in 2006 and really spent the next 15 years working for a company called Artspace, which is based here in the Twin Cities. And Artspace really married all of my passions. It was affordable housing development, first and foremost, but also helping revitalize communities, help stabilize communities. And even in places like um, New York City and Washington, D.C., it was able to help retain artists who were leaving because they were losing all of that affordability. But I got to work in places all around the country, including the Southwest. Um, I worked a lot in Santa Fe and Taos, New Mexico. Oh, very artsy. Super artsy. And so that is where my passion for real estate intersecting with arts and wellness and healing and nature really began to blossom. Tell me about a project that you worked on while you were with them. Oh, Artspace was amazing. I worked on, they still are amazing. And for your listeners, please support them. They're a nonprofit. They do incredible work, continue to, of course, always need incredible support. I think my favorite project for Artspace was in Memphis, Tennessee. I had, well, I had lots of favorites, but that one always comes to top of mind. It's um, a project near and dear to my heart that we took an old warehouse turned it into 55 units of artist lymph workspace, added gallery space and other nonprofit spaces for creative businesses in downtown Memphis. It's located right next to the Civil Rights Museum. Oh, wow. um, Which, of course, is where the Lorraine uh, Motel is and the site of unfortunately, the JFK assassination. So us having this interview just after MLK Day, that Memphis project is near and dear to my heart. It took 10 years. We had to raise $5 million in gap financing. The state of Tennessee is very divided in every way that you can think of divisions. And Memphis is kind of... Uh, not only geographically a long way from Nashville and where decisions are made at the state, but almost a, a forgotten city like for the stepchild. State. Yeah, <laughs> like the stepchild. And so it was just, you know, the resolve that both the president of Artspace, Kelly Lindquist, and myself had to just see that project through and never give up on it crazy um, changes in the banking industry and the taxing during that time. And we were still able to get it over the finish line. And it's thriving and full to this day and really made such a big impact on that community. And I got to know all the residents and artists that are there so well. And, you know, it really trained me for that 
idea of resilience long before the pandemic, (laughs) you know, I was already working in earnest on what it meant to be resilient. And if you believe in something hard enough to just there where there's a will, there's a way to get it done. Yeah, there really is. It's a, you can't always see it at the time, right? But you just have to kind of trust and kind of keep every day mm-hmm. moving forward, right? For sure. Yeah, sure. So what what propelled you to leave art space? Well, that was not easy. Okay, <laughs> as you can hear from my passion, um, it was such a wonderful organization, and the people are family to me. And so it was a long long road before I finally had to kind of take that leap and and go out into the world and and create my own development company. But back in 2012, it, it was at the time where I was starting to really percolate on this idea of creating spaces, not just for artists, but also for places for healing, places for movement. I had kind of my my hobby, my my side passion is yoga. And so I had a really deep practice in yoga for art space. I would travel all around the country and always go to the local yoga studio and try to get them to know the people in that community as well. And so I just had this idea rippling of let's create some spaces that integrate health and wellness, mind-body connection with arts and nature. And I didn't know where that was going to go. And it, for the time, I thought that that was something I'd be able to achieve at Art Space. And then in 2015, Catherine Hayes, who was on the Art Space board at the time, she did bring us up. She brought us up to consult in the tiny town of Bayfield, Wisconsin. And so this was back in 2015. And her mother, Mary Rice, who's a, a legend here in the Twin Cities, and up there, um, had a beautiful restaurant called Wild Rice Restaurant, and it sat on 114 acres of land. Wow. And was James Beard Award-winning, architectural award-winning by David Sumla Architects. And I had been there just as a diner and a guest and loved the space instantly. And I just, at that time, got the thought in my head of, oh, this would be a really wonderful place to also have yoga and maybe have tiny cabins and maybe have an artisan residency program. But I continued on to study that area for both affordable housing development and other ways of helping to um, help boost the economy there. And the idea of what is what is now I'm doing was really popped clearly into my mind in 2015. And so kind of the long story short and several conversations later, it didn't make sense for art space. The model was just a little bit too remote, but it was a calling on my heart for lack of a better way to describe it and something I couldn't quite get out of my system. The family decided they were closing the rest. And so in 2018, I bought the building on very generous terms. (laughs) And Mary Rice, being who she is, an entrepreneur and a philanthropist, basically kind of leased it to me for two years and then gave me a grant to hire people to run it to see if we could make um, a retreat concept and running workshops and retreats out of the main building there a go. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So if you have a great idea, find 
women or other uh, folks that believe in you and want to get behind you. And that is how you start. You just take that first step. Back in 2018, I had no idea that it was going to become what it has now become, Wild Rice Retreat, the number three top resort in the Midwest, named by Condé Nast Magazine in 2023. So it was that first, like, I have a vision. Somebody believed in that vision and that empowered me to take, I would say, in 2018 and 2019, a baby leap because I stayed at ArtSpace. I found a way to work part-time, scaled back my hours, um, but kept my commitments on the projects I was invested in and the team I was committed to there. And we started the planning for what was to become now Wild Rice Retreat. But at the end of 2019, it was clear to both ArtSpace and myself that it was it was time. It was time. I had to go spread my wings and, fly, and try to fly, so to speak. And little did I know the timing of that was going to be um, kind of a story for the ages because I, I left um, – Art space, February 29th of 2020. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Right? And leapt into being self-employed in this huge, scary project all on my own. And two weeks after I left my very stable, wonderful um, kind of family and job, the world collapsed, the pandemic starts, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Right. Wow. How do you like, how do you cope with that? I mean, how do you, you know, that the, there's got to be some inner questions that you had. And yeah, how do you get through that? Well, thankfully, yoga. <laughs> yeah, the- <laughs> that is where I really called in my yoga experience and the breathing and the meditation and the grounding and all of the principles that, you know, yoga is so much more than a physical practice. It's um, really allowing yourself to root down and have faith that everything is going to work out. I remember at the time I saw, you know, probably it was on Instagram or it's this phrase or something, but the phrase popped up on a screen that said, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. Uh-huh. And I love that. That is a mantra. When nothing is certain, anything is possible. I love that. That hangs in my office to this day because it was a hu- obviously a huge time of uncertainty. Right. And so I could have just gone into fear and shut down, or I instead kind of leaned into faith that it was all going to work out. Now, in fairness to that faith and belief at the time that was at a time when we were all just doing puzzles and staying home and thought the pandemic was maybe couple for those weeks. of us not in healthcare, <laughs> right. you know it's just gonna be a couple of weeks right right we'll all go back to normal so we were able to late march of 2020 close on the construction financing right before they shut everything down then they of course decided that um construction was essential And by then, we had put together all the financing and funding. It was $11 million we had to raise in 2019, a combination of debt and equity. And we were able to start construction. So the entire project in the first phase, which consists of 31 lodging units, a sauna house, a classroom building called the the Peace Pod, and all of the development of the grounds and the infrastructure – 
was built during the pandemic. Wow. We opened our doors um, in May of 2021. Wow. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the property and what you've sure. got going on there. And I'm just, I can't wait to come visit. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, the re- the. Uh, the property itself, it's like I said, it sits on 114 acres. It's right on Lake Superior. So it's deep in the Shawamigan Forest, up on 70 feet of brownstone. So you're 70 feet up from Lake Superior there. It's almost like the energy of that land is almost like being on a vortex. So we're in the land of the Ojibwe people there and the Anishinaabe. So I always want to honor that and the spirit of that and the seven generations before that were there. I do consider myself more of a steward of the land there. Not I, I technically own it and have the title to it, but really um, myself and the team that's there and Catherine Hayes and her mother's vision and legacy, we're really trying to create something that's very different than anything else in the marketplace. I saw, um, like I said uh, earlier in our conversation, I would go to places and go to yoga studios. Well, I also would go to yoga retreats. And I found myself going to yoga retreats in the Midwest that were always at like resorts. And we have wonderful resorts in Minnesota, those wonderful Moose Lodge-like places that um, are there for all the outdoor adventure and all the wonderful connections for boating in the summer and skiing in the winter and all of that. But when you're when you're trying to find peace and rest and healing and maybe creativity, the the resort model falls a little short. And so I went to these places in the Southwest and on the coast and thought, well. Why are there? Why is there nothing like this in the Midwest? And when I was raising money, people would even say to me, "Well, I like your concept, but I only see it working on the coasts. I don't see it here." And I'm like, "That's the whole point, right? <laughs> we need it here too, right? Um, the Midwest really needs these places for centering, for healing, for lifelong learning, for places that can be." deeply connected to nature. Uh, one of my more recent investors calls Wild Rice her place for soul-level rest. Uh-huh. And I really uh-huh. like that uh-huh. a lot. Um, and so that really was the intention behind it, to um, take these what we call containers in nature, um, Scandinavian modern design. We hired David Somala to design the entire project because he'd done just such a beautiful job. Any building that can, can can go from a restaurant to a retreat center with literally no, re- almost zero remodeling um, is a really good building. Wow. Right? So yeah. the light, um, the light, the windows, just the design of the space itself, it is um, simple, but it's elegant. It's luxurious without luxury being kind of screamed in your face there's a naturalness about it that put people just immediately at ease and at peace and so we wanted to carry that design theme through the whole rest of the development and we're learning that it's resonating with people. They're coming back again and again and again. We're just starting our third year of operations and have so many repeat guests coming um, 
That, oh, that's that a, such a compliment. A compliment. Right? Yeah. yeah, we're doing something right. That's that is so wonderful. well. So you're a developer, and now you're running a business that's yeah. completely different than development, right? So right. Tell me about that process. Yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> Right? So if there's any real estate developers out there listening to this podcast, remember um, that if you build it, you have to run it. And that was, um, I knew that in the back of my mind, you know, all my years at ArtSpace, my job was to build them. And then there was another team that ran them. And so I would cut the ribbon and then I'd be on to the next project. So I knew... um, intellectually that I was going to have to figure out how to run this um, and was new to hospitality. My background had always been in housing, as I was saying. And so, but I've always loved hotels and I love various hotel chains and how I feel in some versus the others. So I think I did have this innate sense of how I wanted guests to feel and how I wanted it to run. But I knew I knew nothing about housekeeping. Oh my gosh, that's like a whole... I huge respect for anyone that works in housekeeping and service and food and beverage. I knew nothing about either. and I but I knew enough to know that if you don't get those things right, um, you will fail. You will fail financially because the margins are so slim, and you will fail from a guest experience. So I needed to find the right partners um, to help me run it, and I was happy to find a professional hospitality management company. Their names are Charlestown Hotels. They're based out of Charleston, South Carolina, and they do super cool boot boutique-like one-off projects really all over the country. Uh, Most, they have a cluster there in Charleston, of course, but they work all over the country. And so they came in and were immediately the right partner. And so they are there. They are back of house, front of house. They really help run all the day-to-day operations and took that worry of how are we going to actually run this every day Um, off my plate. And we really aligned on that idea of unreasonable hospitality and how we want our guests to feel nourished, rested, celebrated, cared for. And so now I have a wonderful um, retreat director, Mike Vasquez, and a whole team there that run day-to-day operations for the guests and that allows me to stay in founder role and I get to teach yoga there and you know it wasn't that way from day one I was I was very involved for two years um, probably two and a half years in making sure that it really um, fit the intention and the spirit of what we were trying to create and now they're really running with it oh that's fantastic Hmm? oh you have so many talents. Well, thank you. <laughs> so how much you. time do you spend there? And Yeah, um, well, I moved there full time for you? two years because it was just, I mean, coming out of the pandemic and trying to open a new business, especially one in food and beverage and hospitality. If you remember, the restaurants couldn't find any workers. Right. Well, I'm in a town of 500 people. We also couldn't find 
any workers, but then we, you know, we did have help and a wonderful launch. The, the team that helped launch us was incredible. And it was, I remember at the time we felt a little bit like um, we were flying the plane while we were building it at the same time sure. in 2021. So I really needed to be there kind of 24 seven. But now I'm back in the Twin Cities and I split my time. I split my time between Bayfield and here. And I'm this year I'm eager to roll up my sleeves on on all that's coming next but I do say when I teach yoga classes up there that of all the hats I wear that one's my favorite (laughs) to get to be out on the deck in Lake Superior in the summertime and just really connecting with the guests on a one-on-one level and hearing their stories it's it's really quite profound the impact it has had on people's lives that's so amazing so to can you go up there and just stay for a night or is there like because I know you have special events and retreats that are kind of themed and tell me about kind of how it all works that thank you for asking that because it is uh, um, sometimes the word retreat and you throw in the word yoga and people think oh this place isn't for me well it's actually for it's a place for everybody and there's so many different ways you can visit you can come on your own we call those personal retreats or personal stays where you're coming on your own with your spouse with mother daughter weekends girlfriends weekends or a lot of people just come on their own both men and women to again either have soul level rest or maybe they're working on their memoir or their personal strategic planning or maybe they're grieving or maybe they're celebrating all of the things you can just totally come on your own um it is resort like in that way but then we also have two uh, to three other layers of programming where we have um group retreats either everything from a corporate group or a leadership team, like the WPO chapters and all kinds of women's executive teams and corporate teams are coming up to do strategic planning, visioning, succession planning, DEI training, you name it. It's a wonderful place that we can, um, we have all the great technology for webinar and video conferencing, but then we also can help those teams kind of curate other classes that they want to do while they're there. And then we have guided retreats where you follow a great instructor there and learn a whole new skill. Maybe you're going to learn how to write a memoir. Maybe you're going to take a painting workshop or those kinds of stays as well. So there's lots of layers to how you can visit. And it's fun to see people come back and try them in in different forms. Sure. Hmm? That's amazing. And it's year-round, right? It's year-round. We are open even today and uh, maybe two below windchill up there. But there's something about um, the protection and almost cocooning that Lake Superior provides up there. And you almost don't notice the weather. So it doesn't matter. We have, of course, beautiful, bright, sunny days. And summer is fun for boating and kayaking and hiking and all the summer activities in the area. The region with the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore there is just a stunning place to visit in all seasons. And sweet little downtown Bayfield, you can walk to it on the trail, the Brownstone Trails, and it's only a mile from really? our property. Oh, neat. So, and then you're in a cute little Hallmark downtown kind of town with all the cute little shop, coffee shops, book two of the best bookstores, I think, in the country, um, and all kinds of wonderful artisans and galleries, too. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
So what is next? What is next in your agenda? You've created this amazing place. It's running really beautifully. And you've got a little bit of time to get that brain going yeah. again. Well, I have that itch I have to scratch, right? <laughs> For the, being a real estate developer, you can't take too long to not be developing, right? And so a wild rice retreat was always planned to be at least two phases. And so phase one is now complete. I'm so grateful it's up and operating well. The next phase is a homeowner investment Base. So we're expanding the community with vacation homes and other types of investment properties so that you can own a piece of this wonderful property as well. We're going to pre-design the home sites. So it's that idea of I want a cabin in the woods, but I don't want to have to figure out how to build it. And I want somebody else to take care of it for me. So wow. um, there's models like this, of course, on the North Shore, the, you know, the Bluefin Bay folks and Odyssey folks have figured that out really well. But there's not a ton of that type of development over on the South Shore of Lake Superior. So we have uh, the rights to build up to 40 homes. And then I also want to add a Nordic spa and more classroom space. So um, we're really leaning into this idea of expanding our platform for lifestyle medicine and nature is healing and people are really called to that so that if they can own a home on that property that we manage for them, rent out for them, they get that rental income when they're not using it. But they, when they're there, get and their guests will get the same connection. We include three meals a day, there's three or four classes a day. That's all included in the stay as well, along with the sauna house and other amenities on the property. So it's really buying into a light a way of being and lifestyle. And I'm so excited to get going on all of that this year. That's amazing. I would think that would just be really easy to sell. I hope so. We have 700 names and growing on an interest list. You're kidding. I have um, six angel investors already invested. We're looking for another six to 10 more. Um, and it's laying the groundwork for, for the pre-sales and all that's to come very soon here. Amazing. Thank you. Wow. So how do you even, I mean, you talk about fundraising. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you you know how to build these properties, right? But fundraising yeah. is a whole other thing and st- setting up the structure appropriately and, and getting that all. Yeah. yeah. What have you learned kind of at learning, you know, being so good at that process? Well, I've learned that it's all about relationship building and trust and how the folks that are investing are not just investing in a home. Um, they're invest they're investing in me and their belief in me. And so you have to um, be true to your word, be transparent, be open, be honest, be vulnerable, tell people what you know and what you don't know. You know, I always want to over, um, what is it? Over-promise. Oh, no, over, yeah. oh, Under-promise. Over-deliver. Oh, oh, over yeah. <laughs> and that is, you know, I, I kind of am like an open book. I'm a terrible poker player. <laughs> and so I think that that helps, though, when um, you're seeking investors and raising dollars. Of course, all my years at ArtSpace helped me 
um, learn how to navigate grant writing and fundraising as well. But I think the number one thing is to just be genuine and authentic and tell people where your heart is. Show them your balance sheet, but also show them your vision. And don't be afraid to speak to where the pinch points are and where the hard times and challenges may be. But you also then can rest on um, the experience and the the proof is in the pudding for, for what I have already been able to create to date. And so to be able to build what I built during a pandemic, no less, I think, uh, you know, speaks volumes to the resolve I have and that resiliency to to see things through to the finish line, um, to be a good listener, and to really care about the land and care about how it evolves and who's involved in it and always stay kind of true and grounded um, to who you are. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be a lot easier to look at the second phase to having, you know, kind of the experience, you know, and and, and knowing what you've achieved and... um, and being able to show people here, look at this. Here, look at this. this. Yes, we did this, and we're going to keep doing it and uh, keep growing it, but in um, a really smart strategy, smart and slow and respectful of the land and respectful of what's already been created because the, the truly the peace and serenity that's there we want to preserve even as we continue to grow. Um, so that people can have, uh, like she said, that soul level rest when they come to visit, even in a bigger footprint. Yeah. And it's got to be such a blessing for the community. It really is. Um, Wild Rush Retreat has definitely helped um, elevate the whole region as a destination. They, we were Bayfield was featured on the Today Show um, as a great place to go in the fall. And the local community is like, why are we getting all this great press? And I do think it's, uh, we're at least partially um, having to do a little bit with that story of bringing a lot of people to this area that have never been there before. Um, so many of our visitors are first-time visitors to the Bayfield region. And I think uh, in the Twin Cities especially, people are just typically go to the North Shore, right? Right. And then all you need to do is take a right-hand turn in Duluth, and in an hour and 15 minutes, you're in this beautiful Apostle Islands Lakeshore area that has so much to offer and is really kind of pristine beauty. We have gorgeous beaches there that I think people don't know about. Madeline Island is just a 20-minute ferry ride from us. We can see it from right from our deck at Wild Rice and the state park there and the town park and the beaches and the shoreline are just exquisite. It's almost an exotic location. Some people might remember the ice caves that hit the cover of the New York Times 10 years ago. Um, you can't always get ice, get out on the ice to see them, of course, like you could then. But we are just that the beauty of the, rock, the rocky edge and the sand and the stone and the earth there is, um, again, coming back to that the Ojibwe people. And the generations of healing that has happened there and trying to preserve it for all future generations is um, something we take very seriously. And so does the whole region. And that's what makes it really special. Neat. That's just amazing. So looking into the future, you're such a visionary. 
do you beyond phase two do you have other projects that you feel like you have in you Yes and no. <laughs> I, have, I have a small consulting practice, and I'm helping other women who have similar dreams, one of which is a project that is going to be coming to fruition soon. Um, her name is Rebecca Nadozi, and her company is Magia Chai Land Sanctuary. And she is developing 40 acres of land outside of Two Harbors, Minnesota, into a, bi a Black and Indigenous people led um, healing retreat center space so wow um creating just a safe beautiful space um in the woods on the encampment river and i want to help her bring that dream to reality so it's fun for me to have a few clients who um have similar dreams but not necessarily the real estate background to bring it to fruition so that is also really fill, filling my cup right now to be able to help other women who want to build more of these healing spaces in the world. And then who knows, I might have a, another wild rice retreat in me in a warm weather location. Oh, that's... <laughs> well, we'll see. That's, that's starting to percolate a bit, especially when it's seven below out <laughs> today. Right? So we'll see. We'll see about that. But I do think that this model... Um, is something that the world just needs more of. So I never view these kinds of things as competition. It's more how can we help create more of these kind of places in the world? Well, the world is lucky to have you in it. And uh, it's been just super delightful to chat with you today. You just exude so much energy and positivity. And I just am so excited to connect with you today. Thank you so much, Lisa. I've Enjoy this conversation and love talking about all of this. Thank you for listening to this episode of People, Places, and How We Use Spaces. I am business owner, broker, commercial real estate investor, and your host, Lisa Christensen. If you like this episode, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. To connect with me or the guests on today's show, shoot me an email at lisa at christensenandco.com. That's lisa at christensen, the word and, co. Dot com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.